The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself The Wire. A The Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and, and talk, talk about, about it. it. Thanks again for tuning in to the world's only The Wire podcast. The Wire, a show about how the Irish actually were slaves too. So 
Um, the other one I have is The Wire, a show about one Irishman's pursuit of drink, justice, and the perfect orgasm. I like that one. Go with that one. Okay, sure. Um, yeah, give us five stars and a review on the you know Apple Podcast Store or whatever app you use. Helps people see it, and also you know text your friends uh, you know the podcast because that for some reason uh, helps people listen to it. It's a weird thing. Just say it into your phone when your phone's spying on you. So like we yeah. get some of that good uh, secret iPhone surveillance uh, yeah. engagement. That shit is real. That shit is real because I, you know, I say the word titties a lot, and now all my ads are. Uh, I mean, they're usually for like GoDaddy or something, but it's a woman with big titties who's selling it. Mm. So I assume that that's because that's specifically for you. You're the only one who enjoys that, so that's why they do that. I'm the only one who likes titties, mm-hmm. um, at least that I know of. Uh, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> the soundboard's making a comeback. Sorry. Okay. So five stars in a review. Do it now. All right. Today, Vince and I and a guest are going to be talking about from season one of The Wire, episode 10, The Cost. And our guest today, you know him from such amazing podcasts as Pod Yourself a Gun, a Sopranos podcast, also Chapo Trap House, and his third credit, he was recently married. So give it up for recently married man, Matt Christmas. Hey, hey. Ho, ho. Thank you for coming onto our Wire podcast. We had you on for, you know, talking about The Sopranos. Now we're talking about The Wire. Tell me, do you like The Wire? Well, I was directly uh, in the blast path, the cultural uh, foot, the cultural footprint of The Wire. I was, I, I had no hope. I was always going to be a huge wirehead. Yeah. Uh, I was the exact demographic that The Wire is designed for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You were born that so, way. Of course, it worked, and so it's amazing how these people all decided TV was brilliant as soon as it became like micro-targeted towards people who talk about TV on the internet all day. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So yeah, no, The Wire. It's like, ooh, it's realistic, quote unquote, and yeah, uh, there's all this salty dialogue and uh, the complicated cases and social commentary. And I then mean, there's that everything. Dickensian aspect, which uh, <laughs> Simon himself has referenced. Uh, what's not to love, you know? It is yeah. like a, a big shaggy Dickens novel. Like it's if uh, if the if um, if the Sopranos like established that uh, premium television uh, would be modeled on literature and not uh, theater, mm-hmm. uh, which was what originally I think a lot of uh, people in the '90s thought was going to be the case. Like uh, the show Oz, for example. Yeah, I feel like you uh, made the point that Oz and and uh, Deadwood have, are very theatrical, and I that was kind of the reason I could right. never quite yeah, uh, that get was, into those. Yeah, but but the Sopranos really set set the tone. Nope, nope, it's novels, and that and the Sopranos is like a, a modernist psychological novel. You know, the kind right. that win uh, National Book Award Pulitzer prizes. And uh, The Wire is indeed, yeah, like a baggy 19th century melodrama, like uh, like a Dickens, which is compulsively enjoyable. So I enjoy it. Of course, I look back on it, and I think a lot of people have noticed, oh, like we were all filling in some gaps here just out of enthusiasm. Uh, True. But, you know, that's inevitable with everything. I know people say that people always like to compare it to The Sopranos because now the, everyone has decided that The Sopranos is actually better than they remember it being. Right. Uh, and again, a lot of that comes down to it being first, you know, establishing the genre in the, in the beginning and like deter- defining what is good. You know, it's hard yeah. to fail by uh, at that uh, at holding that category. That's sort of, you know, eternal. But uh, everything else can kind of fall away over time. Uh, 
but I still like it. And I enjoyed rewatching this episode. Yeah, I mean, The Sopranos uh, had dream sequences and therapy. And I think like a lot of the what makes The Wire good is its lack of dream sequences exactly. and its lack of and, like, therapy. When I, was, I definitely preferred The Wire to The Sopranos at the time for that very reason. I yeah. was very much repelled by the psychological stuff, by the mid-century <laughs> modern shit. Like every, every uh, dream sequence, I would just do the jack-off motion. I yeah, like, no, get yeah. out of here me with this shit. So, yeah, no, like, I, I initially loved the dream sequences. For me, I was like, oh, man, I've never seen art before. Exactly. And then, like, that's what it is. Baby's first, uh, baby's <laughs> first metaphor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then as I, you know, started watching other shows and maybe, like, developed a little bit more taste, re-watching The Sopranos, I was like, man, they really uh, run this whole therapy thing into the ground. Like, it's mm. uh, it stops being a device, like, two seasons in, and it starts being a crutch. Yeah. Whereas uh, The Wire keeps changing um, perspective over and over so that it doesn't really have this kind of, like, static, like, this is how we're going to tell the story. It's through the eyes of the cops or through the eyes of the criminals. Uh, so, yeah, and it, and much more novelistic to a point where, like, even just doing a rewatch podcast about it, um, having someone just watch one episode feels almost like, uh, I mean, they're not, it's not quite a TV show in that sense. Like, the, yeah. there's not really a, the, an episode arc as there is, like, a chapter in a book is what it feels like. Exactly, yeah. Like, I think that this, what The Sopranos did is establish that the ideal, again, we're talking about it establishing the ideal tel televisual categories, and that is that each episode should not only be part of one serialized narrative, but that it should be a self-contained narrative of its own. Mm -hmm. That it has its own internal... Uh, story structure that is as, right. as, as, as uh, you know satisfying and circular uh, and it, as the greater story uh, and you know I can understand why that would be appealing. I mean that's story. classic TV. That's right, that's yeah. what TV does. Mm -hmm. But you know a thing like the Wire kind of can't afford to do that because it's got so many uh, plot uh, moving parts at the same yeah. time. Like you need you need a not a lot going on, not a lot of like actual stuff happening to let those kind of uh, to have that. Uh, ability to you know do that character work you kind of yeah. have to just keep moving through the beats yeah i yeah. don't think the i don't think the sopranos <clears throat> ever had a plot where i didn't understand it where there's like multiple things on the wire where i'm like you explained that way too fast i have no idea what you're talking about or how this actually oh, yeah. works i remember uh you guys have of course seen the off television will program the american office oh yes <laughs> mm -hmm. oh yes there's this scene where they uh ra um Michael and Dwight go to New York to go <laughs> clubbing with Ryan after he gets promoted to corporate. Mm -hmm. uh, and Ryan is all uh, gacked out of his mind. And they mm -hmm. go back to his apartment, and he's crashing. And he's like, I don't know what to do. I might have a drug problem. And Michael goes, I'll tell you what you do. You, we got to go get your dealer. And then we bust him, and then we flip him. And then we get the, <laughs> his, his uh, bigger dealer. You tell him that you're his friend and that you're going to help him and that everything's going to be all right. And then you put a wire on him, and you find out who's selling him drugs. And then you get that guy, and you flip him, you turn him into a snitch. You follow that guy. It's the people who are really, really bad. I've been watching The Wire recently. I don't understand a word of it. I don't know what they're saying half the time. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's almost like uh, such a part of the tapestry of the show that, like, I don't know what the intention was. I they don't know do. if they expected. If they expected you not to follow I it, I think the but writers it's... do of the, the they do like the journalist version of when military guys big dick you by just spewing out like tons of acronyms that they know full well that you don't understand, and so yeah. it's just yeah. like they just throw them around like it's uh, like it's common usage, and it's sort of like a a demonstration of authority. I feel like they're doing that like the civil servants version of that in this. That's why I like compare it more to a fantasy novel than anything else, because just in the same way, a fantasy novel will throw you into the deep end of their lore and you're just like, fuck, I don't know uh, what a Mistborn is, but yeah. I assume that it's uh, an important thing that's mm -hmm. powerful. You know, they, this also will just like throw you in the middle of a conversation that you have no idea what the context is. And then later on, you realize, you know, oh, well, that actually that that is what was the catalyst for this next action um and uh yeah so going back it's a lot more fun to like look at it and be like oh i get i get it now more <laughs> you know yeah it's it's like tolkien but no one has powers and everyone's sad <laughs> um so do you have a favorite character on the wire oh uh i'm trying to think of when i watched it cuz that was really when i was you know vibing uh, hardcore on the program uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I loved, I was a sucker for all the, the characters that everybody loved, like Omar and such. Of course. Um, yeah. Although I have to, I, I did watch it like uh, before it really blew up because the thing about The Wire is it was largely under the radar culturally at yeah, its no first one watched like, three it. seasons because yeah. it was like not The Sopranos and the, and because of it, it's like it's sort of, it pushes against the grain narratively. Like we said, you don't always know what's happening. Mm -hmm. uh, so it never caught on and it took a while basically for uh people to start seeking a new sopranos you know right uh, and then they they settled on that but only in the very late seasons uh mm -hmm. so i remember like just watching the show before that happened and being like damn omar so cool yeah you know? and then oh it's only later after the show gets a little more popular you know you look around and there's ten thousand people yelling the same thing and and that's a moment that's at a point where i anyway was like trying to orient my entire media consumption around being like not like everybody else Right, oh, right, yeah, yeah, nightmare. dude. That's the best. That's the best personality to have. I think <laughs> it's got. It's the only one. I I have a better taste than you. What? There's no yeah. other morality yeah. than that at the end of history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, oh, you like Kramer? Wow. Yeah. Do you do you like yeah. vanilla ice cream too? I'm a George guy. But you I would know. say, uh, looking back now, like in the fullness of time, and even like how I thought at the time, it's got to be Bunk Moreland. Yes, I'm a yes. bunk head. Completely agree. Bunk is my guy. Mm -hmm. his, his sartorial choices, uh, mm -hmm. his general suaveness. Uh, yeah, no, uh, he's like the perfect. Uh, uh, you know, he's embodiment of like all the vices, but also uh, like all the virtues, uh, virtues of yeah. that kind of dude. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although you know, as soon as you start talking about the virtues of this kind of dude, I'm going to accuse you of propaganda oh jesus everyone's say... five years old everyone's a child you know what it was so so i was saying like uh, uh taste is at the end of history the only thing that matters mm -hmm. well that was in the decadent aughts you know now yes. we're like we're in the hunger games 20s here like we're in the austerity world everyone knows that the world is ending we're going to be eating each other soon mm -hmm. and so taste doesn't matter anymore we have to turn our taste into politics to yes. delude ourselves mm -hmm. into thinking that our consumption is going to change the direction of the ship of state 
I thought so Blonde was we very replaced. unfair to Marilyn Monroe, and this is the thing that I'm going to hang my hat on. Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm going to rescue this dead woman from an artistic, <laughs> an artistic exploration of a of a popular and historical cultural figure. I'm fucking Jesus Christ, people. Listen, I. I uh, I really only like biopics that are written and produced by the estate of the person who is the subject of the movie. I exactly. need to see the brand fairly I represented. Like, I like when they're still alive so that they can give yes. consent to the production. Affirmatively. And yeah, so they can and be in it at the end go, see, yeah. I'm good. Another And another bit of, uh, of, of like Philistinism here is that like <laughs> this is not a fucking biopic. <laughs> it's based on a goddamn Joyce Carol Oates story. Yeah. It is a riff. It, it, it has not. Yeah. Just because it stars a person playing a real person and things happening to them does not make it a biopic. Biopic is, that has, that is not just a word that means a movie about a guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> every movie is a movie about a guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They need it's, a, it's got a specific, it's a box of things. And, mm-hmm. and the whole point of a movie like Blonde is that it is outside of that. Yeah. And it's commenting. It's a meta commentary that you can't make. It's not. Like uh, the Elvis movie, for example. People are pissed that they didn't do like a cutesy little disclaimer at the beginning where they're like, some of this actually happened, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) And then you see the movie and then they are forgiven if something uh, is true or not true because they've already said, look, carte blanche. The reason I'm saying all this is that now, since taste taste isn't sufficient to the moment, we're too sensitive and knowledgeable about the world around us yeah. and care too much to allow I that know to too much for the to enjoy things <laughs> because that's I mean fascism really is at the end of the day saying yeah no aesthetics is all that matters and then right. just doubling down on that but yeah. no you you want to resist the dark side and so what does that mean that means now uh, instead of my taste as a consumer uh, it's going to be my virtue as a consumer yes. by consuming things that are good for me. Do they that have vitamins and minerals? And then yeah. by other people watching, uh, I of course am not going to change from w- uh, watching this stuff because I know all this stuff already. But other people are going to see it and they're going to change their mind and they're going to do the stuff that I am not doing mm-hmm. to make the world a better place. <laughs> yeah, that's no. the fantasy of it. So that means now, oh, we can't have any propaganda. Oh no, that's like uh, <laughs> that's like trans fats. Can't have that in there. Everybody's <laughs> raising awareness, and at some point, we're all going to become. We're uh, all going to get aware, aware. Then yeah. boom. Yeah, I like being so aware that I'm depressed now. That's <laughs> yeah. where that, like I think bubbles that's, at the beginning of this episode. That's right, and this is not a podcast about Marilyn Monroe and whether no. or not she was fairly represented in that movie by that lady who tweets no this is a the wire podcast and we of course cannot start the podcast without first playing the theme song pod Pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen and everyone else, this is Season 1, Episode 10 of The Wire, The Cost. And uh, this episode premiered on August 11th, 2002. Vince, can you break us off a little piece of that synopsis? I sure can. The boys of summer are back this week with another hilarious adventure as Wacky Wallace decides to visit his sweet old Gam Gam's country house. 
Also, Orlando is caught trying to buy four ounces of heroin and is forced to flip on the Barksdale crew in an ill-conceived buy-bust plan that leaves him dead and Kima badly wounded. <laughs> That's right. Well, that's, a, that's a great description written mm -hmm. by uh, David Simon himself. That's right. And uh, so what was happening at the time that this episode came out, Vince? That's right, Matt. We need some cultural context in order we to do. understand the various uh, currents and shifts in society that were happening at the time this was produced. Uh, and for that, we go to the back in the day machine. It's a bad time for newspapers. The news hole is shrinking as... Advertising dollars continue to decline. There ain't no back in the day. Machine tells the tale, son. That's right. Uh, for this episode, we're going all the way back to August 11th, 2002. Just a bright, sunny day as far as I know. Um, yeah. Some of the headlines that were uh, happening at the time. Um, in the New York Times, scientist denies being involved in anthrax plot. Uh, what you guys remember? Oh, which that? one? Which of the guys they falsely accused are we talking about? The one who, uh, the one who killed himself, and then they just closed the case. I knew you would know about this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this one is Doctor Stephen J. Hatfill. Okay, he's the first guy they falsely accused who didn't kill himself. Yeah, a germ oh. weapons expert vigorously denied. Blah blah blah. Uh, <laughs> so a few updates on this guy. Um, in 2008, the government settled Hatfield's lawsuit with a $4.6 million annuity totaling $5.8 million in payment. Yeah, so, he was the Richard Jewell of the anthrax attacks. That's correct. Uh, in 2020, he became a coronavirus advisor to the Trump White House, oh, where no. he strongly promoted the use of hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> you know what? I don't blame him for like, yeah. really being, being touchy about like the deep state and yeah. you know, sure. the pharmaceutical, yeah. medical, me uh, military complex. Yeah, uh, yeah. To treat the virus uh, after the 2020 election, he became part of Donald Trump's attempt to overturn the election results. Um, <laughs> I don't know what became part of the attempt. Where, it means where exactly, was he radicalized? Oh, it yeah. must have been Fox yeah. News. Yeah, well, no, not was, in this case. Yeah, well, yeah, he also was, spent a lot of time in Rhodesia and South Africa in the uh, late 70s and 80s. Uh, he's got a, he's wow. got a like, colorful resume. Let's say. What if he did do it? <laughs> he, he, Yo, what if he I did mean, it as like a false flag deal? That'd be so funny by himself. I mean, he definitely, like, you read up on him, and you're like, I could see why they'd be interested in this guy. I mean, he has the credentials of a guy who's just going to start sending out anthrax. Um, it's true. When then you... the thing is, then they went to the other guy, mm -hmm. Bruce Ivins, and they said, oh, we think it might be him. And then, oh, yeah, he's dead now. Yeah. He probably Oops. did it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's he... the end of that. He's Dust not alive. off hands. <laughs> he's not alive to sue. So at this point, it's well, got to be this him. guy. This guy lied, lied about having been in the special forces. Uh, he, they love doing that. Reactionaries love that more than anything. Yeah, he worked as a because they can you just join the army? Like, well, can't that's just anyone it, is that is that you're not talking about the, the the type of person who joins the army. You're talking about the person who uh, who is inclined to worship martial virtues, but uh -huh. is unable or unwilling to display them. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Like, those guys end up lying about it and fetishizing it. Oh, man. That's, uh, it's a wonderful, it's another wonderful personality type. The person who's too yeah. scared to be... Yeah, too too much of a pussy to pick up a gun. We love those <laughs> yeah, guys. Yeah, but it's we? just like, you know, you can just buy medals on the internet. Yep. And you just pin them to yourself. So... Uh, Prove so that, that I'm not in South Africa. <laughs> also, is he lying about spending time in Rhodesia in South Africa? Is that a lie no, too? As, I mean, not as far as I can tell. He 
He uh, had a mentor who got murdered while he was a medical missionary in Zaire. He had a lot of stuff, weird stuff happen to him, let's say. Huh, but, uh, medical missionary in Zaire. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, he worked as a medical miss- missionary in Kapanga, C-I- Zaire. Under yeah, right. Yeah. Dr. This, uh, Glenn Eshtruth, who was murdered you there hear in missionary, you're always like a little, huh? Mm. Well, missionaries can only be good. Yeah. Because yeah. they believe in God. Yeah. It's like missionary... Uh, like uh, a Peace Corps a- aid worker, USA, USAID. Yep. Mm-hmm. These are all normal, good people who only yeah. do good in countries. <laughs> some of my favorite blokes. Yeah, and uh, the thing is, some of them are ver- like actually trying to do good, and they have no idea what the hell they're part of. Yeah, they think yeah. it's a bunch of people doing good. It's called the Peace Corps. It says peace right in it's the name. In the title. <laughs> um, other headlines. This one you probably remember a little better. Um, invasion of Iraq is risky for U.S. Uh, <laughs> nah, I don't think so. That no, sounds wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Who's this guy? Bush must weigh dangers of Hussein staying in power over obstacles in trying to topple him. Mm. Uh, uh, it, this I person del- was killed too, right, by the government? <laughs> no. I am a deliberate person, the president said before golfing Saturday. So we're in the process of consulting not only with Congress, but our friends and allies. Uh, many lawmakers support Bush's call for Hussein's removal. He's widely believed to be developing chemical and biological weapons and pursuing nuclear weapons. So, Damn. you know, bad times if, th- if that. So this is was a true. time in America when literally one person said, hey, maybe you shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they all knew. And then we were just like, ah, yeah, fuck it. Ah. Literally, what's the worst that could happen? This one, I this next one, I just you chose. shit all over yourself. Sorry, I had there to. I'm th- yeah, there it Speaking is. Speaking of which, uh, I chose this next one because I really uh, enjoyed the headline: "Asian brown cloud menaces the world." <laughs> okay, Uh-oh. anybody remember the Asian brown cloud? I don't remember the Asian brown cloud. Uh, I yeah. ju- somehow did not remember the Asian. Oh wait a minute, is this like a bunch of pollution? Mm-hmm. A vast uh, blanket of smog has been documented over much of Asia and the Indian Ocean, okay. with alarming implications for the global climate. Uh, scientists call it the Asian brown cloud. Oh, now brown name. cloud. <laughs> Imagine if there had been Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. What a went viral. So many prou- uh, Asian brown cloud uh, oh, accounts. Dude. All trying to go viral. Yeah. It, it is an accumulated cocktail of pollution from Asia's great cities, a dramatic increase in the burning of fossil fuels in vehicles, industries, and power stations, forest fires in Indonesia, and the emissions from millions of inefficient cookers burning wood or cow dung. Well, the good oh. thing is we've solved all of those problems in the intervening yeah. 20 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we had the time, so we yeah, did exactly. it. Good for we us. We knew it was coming, and we acted accordingly. The blanket of pollution, three kilometers or nearly two miles thick, hovers over most of the tropical Indian Ocean, South, Southeast Asia, and East Asia. Uh, it consists of sulfates, nitrates, organic substances, black carbon, and fly ash, among several other pollutants. Well, nitrates are cool. So yeah, like we, we were, love a nitrate. Uh, we love a good nitrate. Mm-hmm. Give me a little amyl nitrate. Yeah, just, get that asshole wide open. Right, you put a hot dog up there. It's gonna taste real good. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. well, so, so that's what we were doing at the time. We were like, ah, should we invade Iraq? What about the Asian brown cloud? And uh, you know that guy with the anthrax? Not him. Uh, Not him. That was what was happening. So that is all relevant context for what was happening in America and the world when this episode, The Cost, came out. So let's get into the episode. Um, So this is essentially an episode about breakups 
Um, in my opinion, I call it uh, breaking up is hard to do. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of relationship problems, uh, people uh, reconciling or getting marriage counseling or just breaking up altogether. So we got Bubbles breaks up with heroin. Wallace breaks up with the game. Uh, Chardine is broken up with D and might get with Freeman. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Omar is breaking up with Baltimore. McNulty uh, is breaking up with his wife and kids, but more importantly, Judge Phelan. And Orlando is breaking up with Barksdale permanently. Um, so what did we what did we think of this episode? Vince, general thoughts? Uh, I mean, I feel like this is like the seasons of The Wire. They seem like they try to go out with a bang a little bit. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, last season or last episode was sort of building some stuff and this one they're they're trying to wow you with all the shit that's going on so um it's probably like one of the most procedural heavy like traditional procedural episodes of the wire but uh mm-hmm. but then on a deeper level it's uh it's also about how the most dangerous thing that you can do is cooperate and trust the police uh so oh I yeah think it's uh um you know it's like I said, like every wire episode, it's it's a mix of uh, new stuff with tried and true sort of cop mm-hmm. show tropes, and uh, you know, I was I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Matt? Did you like this episode? Uh, yeah, it's you know, it is a little. It starts a little slow, but then it builds to a really, really compelling finale. Uh, yeah, of an app. It's, it's it's definitely a gut punch that at the time I think did a lot to uh, to get suck me in. Yeah, if I hadn't if I because of course it, it, the whole thing is it is a slow burn over those first few episodes. So this yeah. really helps uh, settle the stakes and and make everything feel like real. Yeah, what I found interesting about it was that um, I don't think I remember this at the time when I like first viewed it, but in this viewing, realizing how kind of out of left field the buy bust at the end mm-hmm. is. Uh, especially since like yeah they don't set that up at all not at all it just happens so fucking quickly it's literally orlando is arrested uh by an undercover cop and then one thing leads to another and they're immediately like let's use this guy to get barksdale no way why not because a player wouldn't be the name on the liquor license i mean face it you're never gonna get avon or stringer in the same room as the dope we can take what orlando gives us about the club the money laundering maybe or the girls for that kind of cooperation, I'll drop a few years and call it fair. So as I was watching this episode, I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, okay, this is around the time the Kima gets shot." And then I'm, and then I'm watching it, and then they bust Orlando. It seems like almost twenty minutes in. Yeah, and I'm like, "Oh, they, I guess this took more episodes. It's like this is this is just setting that up. That must be in the next episode where they have right. the, the yeah. bust." And it's like, no, they get to that at the end of the of the hour. Yeah, it's a, another example of every episode that we've watched so far has been this like you you see this very slow plotting build up to like we're getting a case, we're trying to get a wire up. It takes like 5 episodes for them to actually have a wire in the wire. Um and in each of these episodes there is a moment in which they pull the plug and go, no, no wire. Everyone pack up and go home. <laughs> and this one, the version of them pulling the plug was all of a sudden they're doing a weird buy bust with the DEA and a guy who, who has $30,000 who he needs back. Careful. That's my career you're holding there. Uh, it really, yeah, it comes kind of out of left I, yeah, field. I feel like that's one of my favorite things about this episode, though, is like they, they're methodically building this case uh 
you know, finding out where the stash house is and following yeah, the money yeah. and doing all these phone numbers and they got their pegboard in the office. And then all of a sudden, like someone from on high says, Hey, no, you got to do a fucking buy bust. You got to quit it with this shit. So they, so they go into like a half ass buy bust and get one of their cops shot. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed yeah. the I enjoyed the abruptness of it, but it yeah you definitely think of it, of it playing out much longer like in retrospect because yeah. that's how the wire usually works. Yeah, no, it was, uh, but it makes it makes sense because that the the playing out longer thing is only what happens with the detail and their own plans. Uh, the immediate destruction of everything they've worked for is always on high, like Burrell and uh, you know uh, Rawls and shit. So. It does. It makes sense, but it definitely was like, oh fuck, this is that episode. They've barely set it up. Um, so we start off with uh, let's talk about Bubbles um, because Bubbles has a nice, cute little storyline in this. We open with Bubbles on a bench, and uh, he's just uh, he's looking at kids playing with bubbles, and he's like, oh shit, that's my name. Uh, and then he's desperately trying not to think about how good heroin feels. And, uh, then he sees like some drug dealers and some friends that he used to do drugs with. And, um, he's not trying, I guess he's not trying that hard. Cause why, why is he in that park? Like I wouldn't be in like the heroin supermarket if yeah. I was trying to get off of heroin. I guess there's no other public place he can hang out. Yeah, yeah. You assume that that's what it like. He's just like, well, this is the bench that I sit at sometimes. Where am I going to go find another another bench? Yeah, there's no other benches. All I yeah. could think about when I was watching this was just like how how many people you must meet when you're doing heroin. Like if you have like oh, a yeah. straight job, you're just you're just like isolated most of the day. Like you know the same. You see the same five people maybe once a week, but. Uh, if you're on heroin, shit, man, you're like the you're like the mayor of that city. Everybody yeah, you're knows basically you. the mayor of the town. That's mm-hmm. like it's like uh, being on Foursquare. Wherever you do heroin, you're the mayor of <laughs> that town, that square on Foursquare. Um, I did like the uh, you know sometimes the wire uh, does like art, and uh, they you know bubbles staring at bubbles was for me a moment where I was like, yeah, I get it. I didn't even put smart. that together. Oh, I did because I'm I'm hella smart. Because mm-hmm. his because his name is Bubbles though. Oh yeah 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 yeah. It works on a lot of levels. Yeah, well one, mostly one. Yeah, the the word. Yeah, the word yeah, bubbles. Just like the word. Meaning the thing. The word. Yeah level. yeah okay. yeah. All right, I think I get it now. Yeah no, I, you probably don't. So uh, then <laughs> Bubbles, <laughs> Bubbles uh, then is sitting in the parking and he's talking to Waylon. Uh, and I, I'm loving these scenes with Waylon. I think that like, this is, again, I said this the last episode, but like the archetype of the, uh, like clean NA fucking wise man couldn't be played by anyone else. Uh, Steve Earle, the guy who's been through it. He's like, he's like sitting on a park bench and he's just like, I got AIDS. And you're I got just like, the bug. I got the Gave bug. it to my old lady. <laughs> I got the bug. Gave that shit to my old lady. You ask for forgiveness? Of course. What'd she say? What she needed to say. It's one of the things that I love about uh, 12-step programs is that, like, you will meet a kind of a tough-looking guy or, like, a scary guy uh, and... <laughs> And they'll just be like immediately vulnerable. They'll be like, I got AIDS and um, my kids don't, so that's good. 
Anyways, get your ass to a meeting. <laughs> Love yourself some, brother. And then drag your sorry ass to some meetings. <laughs> meetings? What the fuck you want to hear? That you're strong enough to do this by yourself? Getting clean's the easy part. Now comes life. Bubble pages Kima, and uh, Kima comes over uh, and says, I'm going to help you tomorrow. Um, and... Uh, you know the thing about tomorrow. I will gladly help you tomorrow for some <laughs> snitching you're going to do today. <laughs> yes. Uh, tomorrow does not work out, um, and we will see why. God, don't feel me talking about tomorrow. Tomorrow ain't shit. Today, Johnny. Today. So that's that's what's going on with Bubbles. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, D and Chardine's um, relationship right now. So from from the previous episode, we know that Chardine kind of broke up with D mm -hmm. because um, you know he helped he, throw her friend into a roller in a carpet and threw her in a dumpster. Yeah, well, I mean, every relationship has problems, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, threw threw her 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 friend in a dumpster. And um, the first we see D in this episode, uh, D's baby mama is in the house yeah just Donette. yammering it's a little weird it's kind of like he broke up with uh chardine and like all of a sudden his baby mama is just like back in the house immediately just yeah. smash cut to oh yeah he's back with her now yeah i mean it makes sense because he's like uh you know he is his side is i guess his side girl i think the girl he wanted to be his girlfriend is gone now like mm -hmm. he li he liked Chardine. yeah did you get that from this episode yeah no i got that i got that <laughs> cool. um and i just but i do love watching uh the contrast between Chardine and his baby mama because his baby mama literally spends like a minute just outlining all the things that she wants to buy so, i mean the things we gotta have when in the shopping baby <laughs> <laughs> like a real crib a play desk. Women be shopping! Because it's so you got seen better days. I think you know that much. You can't stop a woman from shopping, baby! Dean, where you going at? I told you I need money for the new bedroom set. Dean! That's true. Women do shop. So women be shopping in that scene. I, I also love where you be going at. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so then um, uh, he approaches Chardine. Chardine does not want to talk. Um, and later on, Chardine is... Um, so Chardine is straight up working for Freeman at this point. She's uh, she's just decided. She's a to go damn narc, is who she is. She is. She's she's decided to go full narc. Uh, she's uh, snitching, and uh, again, like Freeman is straight up just. I don't want to use the word grooming, but he <laughs> is. He's absolutely. She's just a like, grown woman. Okay, she is a grown woman, but like. He's using her to his advantage for this like case, but also like in the scene where Freeman and Chardine are talking together about what she overheard. Uh, they are at a nice restaurant for lunch, uh, and for me, I'm just like I kind of love that like for Freeman that this is like a secret date for him. Yeah, like she he <laughs> he's hasn't about to told order her. in French like it's super casual. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because like. He's, I mean, Freeman's kind of an incel. Like he's, you know, he's like a nice guy. He like he builds his dollhouse. No, furniture. no, he's too suave for that. I don't think he's so. He's just man. biding his time. Nah, he's an incel. That's the thing. He, he, like, think about his thing is he loves to do like puzzles. 
Yeah, um, and he like makes the little furniture. Yeah. <laughs> He's a little forty-year-old version. He really is. He's following paper trails. He's not opening up packages, or else they'll lose their value. You know, he's he's got cool. <laughs> yeah, he's but got you got to forget that he like dresses cool, and he's got that walk. Like you know, he's like a cool guy. Yeah, but I feel like you know, uh, some incels I'm sure have that like suave vibe. But mm. he, uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe I guess not. But uh, anyways, I, I think he's uh, secretly taking her on a, a date that she doesn't know about. Um, I mean, he's definitely yeah. setting up a situation where uh, all of all everybody in her former life is basically going to become like antagonistic towards her. Mm-hmm. And he's like the he's like the only person that she's going to be able to go to. Exactly. Who, that she can He's talk to. Isolating about her it. from yeah. her friends. Exactly. Yeah. Telling saying everyone else is lying. This is abuse. <laughs> this is abuse. I don't really see that well without my glasses. You don't wear those while you work indeed, though. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see more of that as the series goes on. Uh let's get into the Omar situation here so where we last left off with omar is uh omar tried to kill avon in the previous episode omar comes at the king and he misses which for him that's got to be yeah dude yeah i mean of all the time come on i mean know that one that is your thing bro uh very sad for him and uh he ends up uh getting shot by weebay and then kind of like scuttling off um, you see the first scene with the Avon and Stringer is that uh, Avon finally says to Stringer, you were right. What we should do rather than just coming straight at this guy is uh, create a um, a little scheme in which we pretend to parlay. And then when he comes out of his hole, we shoot him. Yeah, I want you to let him know we're willing to squash this if he is. And then what the fuck if he ain't? Nah, this nigga live in the town, so he gonna listen. If we parlay, and then when he creep out his hole and shit, boom, okay, smoke him. Is um, it, yeah, the parlay is that like an official street thing? Like, is that like do I, they have a code? Like the that's pirates? old pirate lingo. <laughs> yeah. That's how I know it. That's how I know parlay. I think I know it from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, and, no, that's old timey. It's old uh, pirate lingo. Perhaps it persists into our modern urban pirates. Uh, of the drug trade, well, I don't the, know. They are right I trust, on the I trust these fifty-year-old white guys who wrote the wire to know. <laughs> I think they know a little bit. I mean, it sounded like it, in the scene where Omar talks about doing a parlay, it did sound like they wrote McNulty to be like parlay. What is that? And I was like, oh, he would know, and Omar wouldn't, right? It's uh, well, confusing. again, I don't know. I don't know what the. I don't know how the streets are operating with these words. I, I don't I, I like I, I have to just give myself over to Simon and company and trust them that they can give me something that if not isn't realistic in any meaningful sense, at least it's convincing enough to let me enjoy myself. Yeah, yeah. There's enough verisimilitude everywhere else that yeah. I can forgive the occasional pirate lingo that mm-hmm. shows Yeah, go up. for it. I and mean piracy fun. is when about they when they get all truth. like a piratey, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, he's like, like Omar is literally a pirate, so he would fucking he would. And say he's a guy with a coat, so it fits. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. So he gets some medical assistance, and then um, uh, Prop Joe decides to broker a. Uh, he does some a peace weird talks. thing in that scene, by the way. Like Omar, Omar, 
Omar is the guy who robs dealers, uh, drug dealers for a living. And then in that scene, like he basically makes fun of Weebay by being like, How close did you get? Y'all be talking that nigga Weebay pop up at the last second, like. And you know, and then Weebay comes up like, Ooh, I'm Weebay, Fucking roasted. Yeah, that was I. That was the first time I noticed that too. It was like I would have put that motherfucker in his grave, and then if Weebay didn't show up, like, meh, meh, like he does, he does a face. Me and Ooh, I'm Weebay. I got guns. <laughs> like, what is your job, bro? Like, I did love. He was yeah. He roasted the shit out of Weebay. He was mostly mad because Weebay straight up shot him in the shoulder, though. I get it. Um, also, uh, like he, so he's going to Kima and McNulty uh, for help finding like a like an underground doctor, and I, I don't know that like that's a thing that cops know. Like, do they know just like doctors who? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if the criminals know, the cops gotta know, right? Yeah, you know, that's the kind so. of thing you know if you're on the streets. You know who the? It's always a crooked veterinarian. Doctor, he's gone. <sighs> this is the part of the job I hate. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I was thinking, yeah. and I felt like they cut that scene out. Yeah, they're because probably like, I was they like, did, they, they, I guess they didn't want to get too cliche because that is a classic crime cliche. Yeah, the the, the, the mobbed up veterinarian. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They could maybe get him to a free clinic where they know somebody. You know, mm. right, right. Just be like, help me out, and don't put him on the record, something like that. They probably, yeah, they. That's probably what actually happened, and they ended up cutting oh, okay. that scene. Like, He's uh, McNulty is banging a nurse at Baltimore General. <laughs> <laughs> you can put her on uh, some of that, uh, some of that, yeah. some of that Irish charm of his. I, I know this one lady. She'll help you out. I've been sticking it right in her pussy. That's how he talks. Uh-huh. Um, he's got God, that great. I, I'm sure you guys have pointed this out, but how? I mean, he's good, I guess. Sure. But it's just such an unnecessary handicap. There are actors not uh, from cr- England that exist. <laughs> it's crazy. You just decide we're doing this show that's about these this grounded. I mean, obviously, you know, not really, but you know, the premise is grounded street uh, street level crime mm-hmm. drama in the American inner city, and you've got your cop protagonist running around going, "Hello, governor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going up the apples and pears, isn't we?" Yeah. Oh, it's a box tail joint, ain't it? I mean, I think it's the classic conundrum of all like American media is like you want you want to find like the young, rugged American actor, but every American actor has gone through like the Disney machine that yep, turns them they're, they're, into Ken dolls. Yeah, mm. they turn them into like sexless fancy boys, and so to find like yeah. your rugged um, like American looking guy, you got to go to like Australia or England or something. Yeah, it's brutal. It's, and they're also cheaper. Yeah. yeah. It's actually cheaper to hire those people. Like, because they don't have any leverage because they're not famous in America. They never really worked in America. They're so cheaper. You kind of say, take it or leave it. Yeah. And then in order to get into Hollywood, they take the they, they take yeah. the deal. You can either do this or you can go back and be on fucking Neighbors for another seven years. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Asshole. <laughs> but just it, come on. Just draw a line in the sand. It, it is strange because, like, it does seem like the entire casting of Dominic West as McNulty was almost done as a prank on him. Because, really? Seriously? Yeah, I mean, obviously, in the U.S., you got to get, like, an actual juvenile delinquent to play that, to get, like, a young actor who looks dangerous. Like, you need to find, like, a fucking Edward Furlong or, or one of those right. people. Right. Like, they could have done that for this guy, I think. I mean... And, of course, Idris Elba, he's British, too. People, You could say, what about him? 
He's good at it. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's yeah. the other thing. Yeah. Like, if you yeah. don't have to get an American, for the love of God, just look a little harder. Yeah. Because you found a guy who could do a, a, an American accent that isn't going to make people just start, just lose concentration every 15 minutes. And get, like, nervous every time they have a scene. You know, yeah. especially when he's, like, you know, acting like he's, like, really putting it on. Uh, when he when he has goes a whole scene where he's yelling and his accent doesn't oh, slip. Oh, God, yeah. When uh, he's ho- oh, man. <laughs> And then I'm just like, if it doesn't slip, I almost want to applaud because yeah, I'm like, yeah, 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 you did it. I feel like it's a like proud watching a guy cross uh, the twin towers with the fucking uh, on the tightrope. <laughs> yeah, but they hired, they hired him. Oh, 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 there he goes. Oh boy, ah. <laughs> they hired him for the look, and he really is great at looking like a disheveled yes. Irish rascal. Like it's true. Yes, they did a great job. It like what makes Dominic West fun in this show is uh, obviously his accent keeps slipping but he does look like the most irish fuckboy mm-hmm. of any <laughs> irish fuckboy in the world um, he's he's got it down pat um uh, he's also got a fantastic american accent uh, as jigsaw in punisher warzone if you've ever seen oh that for one. real no i've not seen punisher Warzone. oh my goodness yes he plays jigsaw uh a punisher villain who is a he is an italian new york mob guy <laughs> And so he tries to do like a like a Guinea accent, like mm-hmm. like a like a Stugatz type deal, <laughs> and it is, it is unbelievable. Statistically speaking, you, you shouldn't have been able to survive this. Well, that's why I'm here, Doc. I have the best plastic surgeon in all of New York. Your facial muscles, tendons, bone structure, everything, it was destroyed. Just take it off already. Why didn't they it. just let him play it Irish? It's in the name, Jigsaw. Like he's that's that's already he's already yeah, doing. Well, he's an, he's an Italian guy. Yeah. <laughs> Come at me, Punisher! I'll destroy ye. Jesus doesn't like it when you punish. I'm the fucking villains. walking here. Oh man, yeah, he's but you know Dominic West. He looks he looks apart, so it it works enough. Um, uh, speaking of Dominic West, actually, or McNulty being a, a fuck boy. There is a nice little tangent in this episode in which McNulty is um, like divorcing his wife and his wife's trying to get like uh, full custody of the kids. Or Yeah, or... I feel like this is a bad tangent for on a few levels, but that's mm. yeah, like he goes into court. His wife's trying to get the kids from him um, based on him losing the kids at the mall when they were doing front and follow on uh, not the, mall, right. the farmer's market. They're doing front and follow on Stringer at the farmer's market. And so Jimmy shows up to court uh, with a lawyer that his wife knows he's been <laughs> fucking around on her. And then they try to have like a like a scene in the hallway where he tells her he loves her. Like, the, oh, like I loved that. There are times when the wire goes like too far into like cop show cliches. And this was like one of them for me. Like, why? Why mm. is the Irish fuck boy suddenly mooning over his ex-wife for one? Don't num- you know I love you, Maggie? And number, I've always loved you. Two, like his wife. Yes, not- I fuck the Jew. <laughs> I understand sometimes I go around fucking Jews, but who doesn't? I'm only a man. But then his you wife is like entertaining me, the idea of like she's looking at him like he's cute after he came into court with the woman that she has pictures of him fucking around on her with. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I I think the reason I like that is because it was the ultimate fuck uh, aloof fuckboy move because that's what McNulty's character would do. I mean, it, it, it makes sense to me that he would like, he literally was like, this was the first lawyer 
that I saw in my vicinity when I got the call that we had to do this ex parte fucking, sure. you know, uh, like judgment. And the fact that he would bring this woman who he fucked and then in the exact same scene be like, I love you. That's fuckboy status. Like, that's the most fucky boy of sure. all fucky boys. Elena, you went for an emergency ex parte. I grabbed whatever lawyer was standing around. Oh, she was standing? Hey, ask Ooh. her if she wants the pictures. <laughs> yeah. oh, I can't believe you hired Buckman. Sorry. Son of a bitch never made a case that counted. Yeah, well, he caught your cheating ass. Look, Elena, these are my sons. I love them. I'm not going to let them get hurt. I love you, too. Still do. And are the, the two of you still, uh... No. Yes. <laughs> A little. I mean, you gotta... <laughs> there, there's part of you that has to love McNulty being in that scene. I love you, immediate lie, and then coming clean, and then sort of backing up on coming clean. That's... He's such a cutie. Oh, how can you stay <laughs> mad at him? And that's why she can't. Exactly. She's looking exactly. at him and she's like, oh, McNulty. That's, it's like the perfect, it's like good dick will imprison you. That's, mm. that's the thing, man. You know, that's she true. can't, she can't handle it. It's, uh, but she's yeah, he's a bad prison. dad. Yeah. All right. Hey, Brent. You sold oh, it. hello. Good dick is a prison and so are our advertisers. So we need to stop for a break. <laughs> okay. Well, you heard the man. Brent Flyberg says we got to take a quick break for some commercials. So stick around, listen to these ads, and we will be right back. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, we're back. Um, all right. Where were we? Where were we, though? Hold on. Oh, yeah. Um, the custody divorce, hearing. Yeah, divorcing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Divorce um, stuff. Yeah, well, that's basically done. Uh, let me see. Jimmy and his hot wife have a talk. Yeah. She is hot, though. I mean... That's the one thing I keep remembering. Um, Callie so, Thorne? Oh, baby. I know. She's just She was also on Homicide, uh, oh. another David Simon project. I never saw that. Is that I love good? that show. As a kid, that show was, I loved that show. Was that Network? Was that a Network? Yeah, it was on show? NBC. It was uh, never very highly rated. It was one of those proto-prestige shows where they were trying to grasp at what a, uh, a good show looked like. Yeah. Uh, and it went with this very, like, emotionally expressionist approach mm. where like ca- cameras are shaking around mm. and zooming in and these like gothic like uh it, it's like this combination of uh videos like verite realism mm-hmm. was it like the friday night lights of, kind of uh, thing that they were doing for a while there yeah it's yeah. It, i loved it uh uh andre brower all-time goaded on that show oh andre brower's on that show yeah he plays uh detective frank pemberton one of my favorite tv characters of all time Shit. I need to watch it. I I've been like going through all of David Simon's shit and realizing that I just I just like what he does. Yeah, Homicide's and, great, uh, and it is, but it's refreshing, especially to watch now because it was before this template had been fully created, so they were more free to be uh, cringy, you know. Yeah. And also, they mostly resisted serialized storytelling. Later in the, later seasons have more structure, like the whole uh, uh, the whole. Um, there's a whole gang war that involves the police that is in like the fifth season after it kind of gets more. Uh, it, it, over time, the show kind of got more normal. Wait, there's uh, five ha- seasons. Tr- yeah. How many? Holy shit. Yeah, and they and they got more normal, like more as like a, a sort of a cliche cop show as it went along, which makes sense. You know, that's what being on network television does. Yeah. Uh, but Callie Thorne, X Mrs. McNulty, she was in the later season cast as one of the detectives. Well, and I'll she's watch- a freaking dime. Yeah, she is a bombshell. I uh, I'm in love with her. Yeah. Um, but just to uh, finish up what's going on with Omar, um, we had uh, Omar. The, there's a truce being brokered uh, by Prop Joe, uh, who's acting as essentially a marriage counselor. Yo, this nigga coming on what, man? Said he would if I guaranteed a parlay, and I'm here on it. I'm doing like one of the marriage counselors, charged by the hour to tell some fool he need to bring some flowers home. In charge another hour telling the bitch she ought to suck some cock every little once in a while. You know, keep a marriage strong like that. Speaking of cocksuckers. And Stringer and Omar have this conversation that is, um, well, he's like clearly wearing a wire. And th- maybe it's because I'm just like someone who watches cop shows. Uh, but all I could think is like, well, certainly... Certainly Stringer has to know that he is wearing a wire. I got a man who said he's going to give you a life back, yo. Who, Barksdale? So you think after what you did to Brandon, we supposed to find some even on this, huh? Yo, I don't know shit about shit, all right? I'm just a messenger. 
And look here, son, you tell Barksdale that he's been paid back for what he did to my peoples. I don't know no what he called Barksdale, man. He can't be that careful, but uh, I don't know. I if, mean, he has if, no reason to trust Omar. Right, but to the point where he thinks that he's snitching? Because that feels like, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, so uh, Omar's wearing a wire. He's desperately trying to get him to say the words Avon Barksdale exists and, uh, and uh, you know, give it up for Stringer for, for not biting at that. Um, he asks Stringer, like, hey, if you want to do a truce, uh, you got to get me $10,000. And uh, that is apparently just a ploy for him to see whether or not they're serious about the truce. And uh, his storyline ends with him at a bus station with McNulty um, explaining his reasoning for, um, for why he asked for the money. I got a man who said he's going to give you a life back, yo. Now, if he'd have said, man, we ain't paying you, just be happy to live, I'd have been like, all right, they're keeping it real. When he said, come on down for $5,000, I'm like, man, please. Hey, look at Holmes, I ain't asked for much, but um, I'm a little light on traveling money. I'm saying I could go around the block and get myself paid. I'm thinking. You keep in touch with my pager. I'm gonna need you for the Gantt trial. Go easy, Omar. Stay free. McNulty yelling stay free. Something about that. Uh, <laughs> it was just, <laughs> I was like, just mostly well, thinking about him cadging like 20 bucks out of McNulty who sleeps on a mattress on the floor, uh, you know, pulling it out of his like sweaty fucking uh, <laughs> yeah. Velcro wallet. Like he's got like a 20 that's mostly singles and a condom. He's like, here you go, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Have fun. Like, there you go. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about the main storyline here. This is everything that's going on with Orlando and everything that's going on with the detail at the same time. So, so is we or, is Orlando the stupidest person in the show? Because that's all I could think about. Wow, like how yeah. dumb real dumbass. Yeah, he's 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 a real idiot. I mean, he's an idiot in in a way that uh, I almost feel for him because uh, he, like, I have to justify his idiocy because it's so stupid. Where I'm yeah, like, well, like maybe I almost he want them to so... give us something about like he's a drug addict or he has girls that he's paying for. Like, why does he? Why is he bad? Why does he making so little money that he needs to do the exact thing that he knows will? You know get what? Him I kind of think of it as when I when I watched the show originally, my thought I never that never really triggered me. I thought I thought yeah, that makes sense because. Omar is this guy who's the the, the clean uh, name for the liquor board, but he's oh, surrounded by Orlando. all these uh, Orlando, but he's surrounded by all these ballers, mm -hmm. right? Twenty four seven ballers, and he has to just stand behind the bar like a fucking limp dick. Yeah, uh, and I could see that eventually being like, well, damn, you know this, like I know all these people, like I could just turn this money into this money, mm -hmm. and then I can fucking ball a little bit. And yeah, he has to know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everyone, yeah. everybody wanted to ball a little, not. I guess yeah, every, everyone wanted a ball, but I mean, it, it is, it's, but it's, at this point, he's already been chewed out and beat up by Avon and Stringer for even mentioning this to uh, D'Angelo. So the fact that he still went for it on his own, because all I could think is like, motherfucker, who are you going to sell four ounces of heroin to? Like, once you buy it, how are you going to distribute? Like, he has no plan here. Um, so the only thing I can think is that he's so isolated, 
Um, like there's such a huge buffer between him and the street level shit that he doesn't fully understand uh, how dangerous this whole thing is. And I think to me, nothing makes that more clear than after he gets caught by the undercover cop, the next scene with him, he's all, he's immediately like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll flip and stuff, whatever, whatever you guys need. Like he immediately flips and uh, it is, I don't know. Orlando to me is, is kind of a tragic character. Cause it feels like I would do probably something similar. Um, oh yeah. I always relate to the guys who, who try to do crime. Try yeah. To go in the game and immediately eat shit. Yes, yes. It's it just like that's that's my lot in life is to never be able to successfully do anything cool. <laughs> like, yeah. and every time I try, just failing fucking miserably and ending well, they up give, dead. Yeah, they give him. Um, I mean, they they have him be ratted out basically by his perfect foil. I forget the guy's name, but the guy who like three or four episodes ago, McNulty was trying to flip. And uh, he's like, yeah, you're looking at like oh, you're looking shit, at like seven right. years. Uh, what do you think? And he's like, yeah, all right. I say what? All right, yeah. you flip. He's like, no, all right, I'll take the seven years. I'm not a right. fucking idiot. You, like I know, I know it's either right. like you, I get killed or I spend some time in prison. But like, and, yeah. and that's the guy who sees him at the city jail and is like, uh, hey, guess who's here? Pimpin' ass Orlando. Yeah, that guy which, is the guy who, whose expectations are low enough that he knows that like doing seven years in prison is a better deal than what the cops are offering him. Uh, yeah, and, and how it's gonna play out for him. Right, because he's actually like in the game and understands yes. like the rules and understands the uh, stakes yeah. of. He's the seen game. that police deal go badly enough that he's like, "Yeah, no." Yeah, but uh, then Orlando uh, is visited by um, the l- lawyer, Mister uh, Mister Jewish Esquire. What's his <laughs> name? <laughs> uh, Levy. Yeah, yeah, L- Levy. Um, who is? Uh, I mean. Th- uh, props to David Simon for going like, get me the Jewiest lawyer. In yeah, the they world. really went for it there. <laughs> they, they really Respect. did. Respect. Yeah, I mean, he had everything that a Nazi propaganda poster would have, except for like tentacles, and uh, <laughs> he just really went for it. Um, and he's had to, I know, a few times had to defend his uh, position uh, or defend that choice to have like the most Jewish lawyer ever. And I'm like, stop, stop making him, you know, talk about it. Like that's, there are Jewish lawyers who say, listen, as someone who's Jewish and grew up in a Jewish community, Jewish neighborhood, that's what we look and sound like when we're lawyers. <laughs> that's why we become lawyers. It's just like, we look at sound the part, you know, the kids are going to be lawyers in school. And you're like, yeah, it's the one, the one with the hunchback <laughs> and the dripping nose. Like, <laughs> you know, and the rest of us, like, uh, we get into the, the dry fucking... air is making him wheeze. And it's like, well, right, that guy the dry is, air is gonna... making him wheeze. He needs a desk job to survive. Mm-hmm. This guy's lucky he survived Tay-Sachs. Um, <laughs> so uh, he has a meeting with him and he's trying to, like, get, I guess, the money from uh, for a bail bondsman and Levy is not having it. He, he immediately makes him sign over the rights to his front. And, uh, and I have a, a clip of that. A front has to be clean. And right now you like that sign. I want my bail paid. You send me a bondsman. I'll sign. Is that what you want me to tell him that I asked you to sign and you wouldn't. Hmm? 
You wanted to be in the game, right? Now you're in the game. Damn. Got his ass. I mean, that is quite a moment. Someone uh, packing up <laughs> the fucking suitcase and just being like, now you're in the game. That is, uh, well, you know, Orlando, you fucked up. You're fucked up in the game. You now. blew it. You blew it, bro. You really should have. Uh, I mean, to just being the guy on the feed. He had a. You he had, had a good sweet job. gig. It was the cushiest gig in yeah, all of the game. Yeah, you don't have to do game. anything except you literally are a business a owner club. on paper. Yeah. You get to you. You're surrounded by titties. Yeah. You're j day in day out. You are like just just interfacing with multiple titties. I think the problem. Like, but here's the problem. What? All those girls, mm -hmm. they don't want to get with broke ass Orlando. That's true. When they're That's when true. they could be getting with any of the Barksdale crew who are in there every night. Yeah, balling. I, I but don't you feel like he's still going to be their dick of last resort kind of thing? Exactly. Like they're going to do some grudgingly. Yes, he's definitely like. He doesn't like that. That's, it's obviously a sweet gig. It's just. Nobody is ever happy where they are, you know. That's yeah. nothing yeah. is ever, no set no no uh, no desires ever sated. So yeah. over time, that would become intolerable to Orlando. Yeah, he doesn't like that. Figure I can make this uh, better if I can ball out more. It's uh, it's unbelievable because he could have if he didn't want to work the bar, he hire someone to be the bartender and just have like one little table. You're like, this is the owner's table and you could put little like awards on it or something. I don't know, whatever people do to make their table look cool. And that's your office in the corner. And then you have one uh, stripper who's always stripping for you. And you're that cool guy. You're all, it, your name is on the strip club. I'm just, I don't know. I just feel bad Look, for him. We need to find you an Avon so you can be the Orlando. I would love to. Are you kidding me? The clean name on the liquor license? Mm -hmm. Fuck yeah. By the um, way, in the, in the beginning of this episode, I'm sorry, I'm skipping <clears throat> around, but... No, please. Uh, it was a little confusing when Weebay rolls in calling Avon A, and then like 12 seconds later, uh, Stringer is calling him B, and I'm like, come on, can we get like a consistent letter for this guy? What the fuck? My fault, A. We gotta build a wall around you, B. We're gonna build the wall. We have no choice. We have no choice. Build that wall. Build that wall. Build that wall. Well, Stringer calls everyone B. Right. He called Omar B. I think B is just Plus B uh, for Barksdale could be. I thought of uh, originally that, but then he called Omar B, mm. and I was just like, he just calls people B. Yeah, Back right. then, in the early aughts, people called people B. Yeah. I'm Cuban B. Yes, Cuban B. I don't even know what it stood for. I, I I assumed as a kid that it was. You didn't have to juxtapose bitch. it with Weebay calling him A. Yeah, that's true. I'll I'll tell. Just yeah. DM David Simon and tell me fucked up. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah. Uh. So Omar is. Uh. He's all locked up. And uh, meanwhile, um, Lester and Sidner and Carve. Uh. The the they're all looking at this stash house that they kind of figured out was the stash house from uh, the episode before, and they're forced to like sit at a Mondo Mart, um, just waiting for someone to use the payphone, which um, which is a I think again another cushy gig, and cops complaining about that annoys the shit out of me. Um, and then Sidner comes into the van that they're using to s surveil the payphone at the Mondo Mart and uh, kind of just rips into Carve for eating two different types of chips. 
We've seen and, crab uh, chips, which I've never seen crab flavored uts around here. I don't know if that's just like Chesapeake. I think only. that's just in the uh, in in the Maryland area, the Delmarva Triangle there. Wait, th- they were crab chips? Crab yeah. chips, uts crab chips. I didn't know. I had no idea that he was eating crab chips. I heard him in say the, uh, the second season. There's pot. a scene where White Mike, oh yeah, the the, the dealer, uh, he goes, or it might not be him, but there's another uh, white drug dealer on the corner, and he, he gives money to some kid. And he goes, "Yo, shorty, go get me a go get me a snapple and some crab chips." <laughs> That's I, I. That is a very Maryland brand of chip. That it's I incredibly not, Maryland chip. That, that is. Uh, yeah, that sounds pretty disgusting. But uh, I, I feel like sounds good. I don't know. Me, but I mean, Sidner was being hella judgmental yeah. at the yeah. fact that he's like cheese puffs and ring dings. It's like, yeah, he's I've been sitting here for twelve hours. What do you want me to do? Yeah, what does he want him to do? I feel like Sidner has, uh, needs to cool it with the body shaming. It's well, pretty... you know, he's a he's a hothead. He is. He's a problem. And he's very guy. and he's very built. He's, oh he's, yeah, he's he's swole. Yeah, he is a little too swole to play um, a homeless guy who's following someone to a stash house. Which, yeah, he's uh, the most unconvincing undercover they got. Yeah, it is. It is very funny. It's like, because, is this like, your first day smoking crack? Dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you just do crack now? And where did you get this clearly made up homeless guy crackhead suit? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he they finally do catch someone, um, you know, using the phone, and uh, Sidner follows them all the way to a stash house that is clearly a stash house because uh, it's got cameras everywhere, and um, they end up kind of like going through it and, and trying to uh, you know take pictures, and they have all this probable cause, but Freeman does not want to bust the house. He is about the paper trail so much so that. Uh, there's this scene in which Carve and um, Sidner are trying to get Freeman to, they're trying to find out, well, what do we do next with all this information? Like, shouldn't we, shouldn't we bust these guys? And Freeman just walks over to Prez and starts praising him for being a good little special boy. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. because Prez has like gotten all of the the fronts like mapped out on a map yeah. and uh, use the right colored highlighters and everything. So what? We try to write a warrant for this place, right? Right? What are you seeing? No pattern, really, except this cluster of old storefronts and warehouses on the west side of downtown. Mm-hmm. Storefronts? Vacants, usually. Detective Presbaluski. What? You have a gift for the paper trail. Presbaluski. You have a gift. You have a gift for the paper trail. Like, I, I just love, because that's a, Presbaluski at this point has um, shot up his car uh, and blinded a 16-year-old kid uh, for sitting on his car. And he shot and, his wall, too. He forgot that And he part. shot a wall. Yeah. Like, the amount of stuff that Presbaluski has done that would make you go, like, I don't feel like complimenting this guy or putting him out on the street ever again. Freeman doesn't care, man. Well, that's just David Simon trying to tell you why the keyboard is mightier than the gun. That is 100%. I mean, yeah, it's, it's more pandering to the audience. Yes. Like yes. The best cop is the guy who uh, stays at home and looks at the computer. <laughs> yeah, that's 100% just like true. You. Yeah. yeah, just like you. Uh, yeah, so he... Uh, 
they end up stealing their trash, looking through it, blah, blah, blah. And at this time, uh, this is when Orlando's undercover cop guy uh, shows up and tells them, uh, hey, we got this guy Orlando. Yeah, so and I, I like I like this, the way this plays out, because mm-hmm. like the whole, like the larger plot here is all these cops are having such a good time getting into, you know, playing this cat and mouse game and even... Even McNulty, when he's talking about uh, Stringer in the courtroom with his wife, he's like, oh, no, like, I know this guy. We're just playing a game. Yeah, we're friends. They're getting into the game part of it because, like, the other, like, the actual thing that they're doing, which is fighting a drug war, like, none of them actually believe in in that. Or at least, you know, the show doesn't believe in that. So it's like, you got to, you're trying, you're watching them play this intense game and getting into it on the level because it's a game but not because they're like invested in any of the like ideology behind it yeah they've gamified it and and i think um for the audience too it's more fun uh or at least for me at this point you're you're gonna get into a procedural because of the game of it you're not necessarily but like usually like especially around this time i feel like cop shows we're also still partly invested in explaining like why the game was good and why, uh, mm-hmm. you know, why this game like actually mattered. Whereas I think the, the wire at least a little bit is giving you a peek behind the curtain to say that, yeah, okay. The game ultimately doesn't mean much, even if you're right. But the, what's fun it. about it is that they've gamified crime and stuff like right. it's uh it's not like other cop shows where it's just like here's your moralistic reason for why this is important and necessary and like you may have a broader critique about you know crime and the drug war and whatnot but at the end of the day this is a bad guy and we gotta take down the bad guy in this show they're like no no if we if we try to take down the bad guy now then we're not going to fully get the bad guy but more more so we're not going to have fun playing the game <laughs> Yeah, we're yeah. not going to collect all the stickers. Yeah, we're going yeah. down to the to the uh, to escrow and finding all. I went. I, I t- it said B and B Enterprises, and I went down and I found all the papers that said B and B, and I noticed the pattern. Congratulations! Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Presbo's I doing sh- word searches just like Rawls is, you know, fucking over everyone in the world just to make his numbers change color. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is, um, at the end of the day, he wants the Rawls wants the numbers to change color. Prez wants to find all the words in the word search, and um, Burrell just wants to bust. This guy <laughs> loves to bust, mm-hmm. and uh, busting makes him feel good. Busting makes me feel good. Because they have Orlando, uh, this like th- this momentum starts for this idea of oh well, we got to use him to do a, a big buy bust. We'll get him in the room with Avon because uh, yeah, that'll happen. Um, and uh, Daniels has a scene where he's trying to like convince Major Forrester and uh, Burrell, like, hey, let's uh, we can't do this. What works is the wire. The wire is what gets us Avon. And Burrell just says, "Bye, bus lieutenant. It's what I asked you for months ago. It's what we do successfully." Time and again to we make bust. these cases. <laughs> we bust. That's we what bust. we must. I have busted successfully for twenty years at this police department. My this entire department is filled with my bustings. 
You're asking us to stop busting. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. You're promising that if we stop now, later on, we'll get an even bigger bust. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. Well, why should I trust you? Sure, I can oh, stop busting for Why a should few I minutes. say goodbye? no to the reliable daily bust that I've become <laughs> accustomed and, in fact, addicted to? <laughs> I just love the idea of just like, all busts feel the same to me. There is no larger bust. There is only one mono bust that every man feels and loves. It's like these guys just don't know about ass play. Yeah. Uh, so, I have put uh, off busting for too long on this case. Yeah, my balls will get swole if we don't bust. Look, it's not fair for you to leave me like this. (laughs) It's fucked up. It should be illegal, Lieutenant, for you to leave my balls such. It's fucked up. You could at least get some hand stuff. uh, (laughs) Misdemeanors. We need a hand to hand. Some hand to hands. (laughs) Busting makes me feel good. So, yeah, from that immediately we are just we just dive into a scene in which daniels is in a room uh leading a giant by bus team with his unit with orlando as bait and uh the dea is there by uh they're just there to help give thirty thousand dollars in cash it seems like they don't have any other (laughs) job other than well we have real money uh, which they need back, which uh, I fucking love. <laughs> He's like, my career's in that bag. Um, and when they're describing... Orlando didn't ask for enough details here, I feel like. He's, oh, clearly he was not. Like, you guys are going to be in the car, like right behind us, right? Like, eh, we'll yeah. be around. We'll be, yeah. so, we'll be sorted nearby. Don't worry about you it. You guys have like helicopters with like uh, missiles and like snipers on the roof and stuff, right? No, I'm, I'm the well, president, right? <laughs> I'm the president of this by bust. <laughs> As president, I need uh, to make sure that I am well protected. He doesn't even ask. He's just no. like, he's like, and, they, they probably know what they're doing. They don't. They don't know what they're doing at all. And Carve is the one in this scene. Dumbass Carve is the one who's like, hey, isn't this stupid? <laughs> and uh, I, I have a, a just a quick clip of that. We've got thirty thousand in buy money, courtesy of our friends over DEA. But the thing is, they can't have that money walking on. Definitely not. <laughs> so Kima will be in the car for the buy, front as I see as a girl. Look in the part, too. <laughs> yeah. And where's your weapon going to be? It'll be up under the rear seat. They already know that he got jacked on a reverse buy, right? Why wouldn't they assume he's snitching? I need money for a lawyer, right? That's the story. And it's a great story. Mm-hmm. A story that is believable and everyone will buy. You know what's the, the biggest, one of the biggest questions I have about this episode? What? Uh, was like Dominic Lombardozzi, was he going through like contract negotiations while they were shooting this? Like they made up an arbitrary reason to be like, oh yeah, Herc, he's just out of this episode. He's not going to be here. service training. He's doing a thing. Don't worry about it. He's not going to be here. Okay? That, Stop asking. That is, that's a good question. There was just no, he, he didn't show up at all in this episode. No, not at all. It's just Sidner and Carve the whole time. Herc is... Uh, returned to his home planet of New York. <laughs> <laughs> He's just back in the Bronx like, um, I asked for more money, all right? And unless they give me more money, I'm not doing any more wires. Uh, yeah, I do not know what happens. And in fact, I'm trying to think if he shows up uh, 
the rest of the season. He does, right? He's got. No, come he comes back. right back after the, this this episode. Oh, it's weird. This it is like feels uh, so weird where there where like you're watching Seinfeld and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, Elaine Elaine's got a thing she's doing. She's going down to Orlando to, to go to Disney World, and it's like okay, sure. I uh, maybe uh, maybe they just wrote him out because they were just like this Dominic Lombardozzi is getting uh, too big of a head. You know, he yeah. thinks he's the king of this. He had wire. something else to do. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it ends up being Carve, who is the one who says, uh, isn't it obvious that they'll know he flipped? And, um, you know, if Carve thinks something is short sighted, then, you know, everything's about to go wrong very, very quickly. So Kimara and Orlando, they roll up, they pick up Savino, who turns up the music so that the wire can't really hear shit. Um and, you know, the cops are trying to listen, but rap music is blaring and cops hate rap music. Mm. Um, they're just like, what, what is this noise? And uh, so no unit has an eyeball on Kima and they pull into a random alleyway and Savino steps out and he goes, he leaves the money, which um, if ever there was a sign that something is very wrong, it's when uh, the drug dealer is like, here, hold on to this money for me. I'll be right back. It's like, what else? <laughs> what do you think's about to happen? Because um, at the very least, if the drug dealer's trying to just fuck with you, he'll just take the money and be like, I'll be right back with the drugs. Um, if they leave the money, you're probably about to get shot yeah, up. Yeah, run. Baby, since we want to know that, stop by the carry so I can pick me up some cigarettes. They're going up north, stay loose. I got the dog. Shit, it's too loud. Something ain't right. Shit ain't right. Signal 13. Signal 13. Gunshots. Gunshots. Show city line. 1135. Signal 13. Warning. So that is the uh, Signal 13 that's been talked about a lot in this. So far, every Signal 13 that's happened in this show has been um, a lie. Uh, it's mm. been like... Uh, when they went into the towers, like Prez Belusky and Herc and Carve going in the towers and they basically start a riot by blinding a kid and just jacking up random old people and being like, we own these streets. And the other Signal 13 was when Prez Belusky, uh, apparently, you never see it, but apparently before he got to the detail, he shot up his car um, and called in a Signal 13 and pretended that he was under sniper fire. <laughs> Uh, and I, I again, we still don't know the origin of that story. I forgot to put it in park when he was doing a, a traffic stop. I like to think. Yeah, that's probably what happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the signal thirteen is called in. This time, it's real. The last we see of Orlando, he is dead in the front seat of the car. And when they finally get down to uh, Kima, she is badly, badly injured. Uh, it's very loud. Uh, everyone's screaming and crying. The cops are there and the DEA is looking on and he's also sad, which leads me to believe that they took the money, too, um, because his that, his career was in that bag. You know, his career's in that bag. My career. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then uh, we see McNulty holding on to Kima and uh, and then it fades out and then the, the music plays. And uh, that that's what happens. In that episode, well, you forgot one key part of this episode, which was what? Uh, What's that? Which was Wallace. Oh, uh, sure, sure. We had to flip Wallace, which 
I mean, you know, I mean, I, I know because I've seen the show twice, but mm. uh, you also know that him working with the police is not going to go well for him. Yeah. Uh, like he just goes in there and he immediately starts snitching. And yeah. it's like he starts he feels snitching. bad about the stick up boy. Yeah. And yeah. They, don't, they don't even have a plan for him. Like they have no place to put him. Like he's thinking that they have no they have no charge on him. He's thinking that they they're going to protect him, him somehow. And, and like I, I do like those scenes when Daniel's. Uh, he plays like the father figure and he does yeah. it really convincingly, but like it's very thin because he has, ne- he never has a plan other than to be like, ah, yeah, we'll just take him out to his grandma's and shit will be fine. Or, uh, uh yeah, I'll Daniels just give is, this kid I, my business. Like he's, he, he knows how to play the daddy, but not with like an actual plan. Right. He knows how to sound like a daddy, but he has no daddy powers. Right. That's yes. that's the thing about uh, Lieutenant Daniels is like you see him in a couple episodes ago. There was that kid, the kid who was blinded by Presbolewski's in there and he tries to daddy him, too. And he's like, listen, if you ever want to get out of this game, you could just here's my card. Call me. Yeah. And let me know if you want to get out of this game. And it's like, are you adopting him? <laughs> right. Is that is you, that, how are you gonna get him out of this game? He thinks by like, the magic of telling people to straighten up and fly right that uh, it will, you know, it'll become so. And uh, you keep your nose clean. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can help you get out of this game. How? Let's not think that far ahead. <laughs> Let's. We don't need to get into plans and schemes right now. <laughs> the only thing we need to think about is how much of a daddy I sound like, yeah. and how much I love you. <laughs> I'm proud of you, son. Uh, I think the here, lesson I took from that is like, if you're going to snitch, like kiss your daddy, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't start saying shit until you know they have a plan for you. Like they have like an actual program or like money to put you in a place. Like, yeah. otherwise you're going to have, they're just going to send you right back to live in the project uh, with the people that you snitched on. Uh, the worst thing is that like when Daniels is trying to like figure out where to put him, he's like, what about a hotel? And Rhonda's like a hotel. He's 16 years old. <laughs> we're not we're not gonna put some little kid in a hotel yeah. people would think that's weird what he's gonna people be put, think he's gonna be putting the aftershave on his face and going yeah. ah, and <laughs> trying to eat cakes all day and shit it's like it's home alone yeah <laughs> yeah he's gonna rig the hotel room with booby traps and then when the wet bandits come uh he will hurt them and that'll be our problem Anyways, uh, so yeah, they uh, they end up taking uh, Wallace over to um, his Gam Gam's house, um, and also need to mention that while he's like eating Twizzlers and detoxing, uh, you hear Clay Davis on the TV, uh, and uh, we're gonna be getting some more Clay Davis as the show goes on. Shit! Oh wait a minute, no, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shit! Uh, ah, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. He does have That's, that voice. Like his voice is just cuts through all background noise whenever you hear it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Davis, yeah. You know, that's I mean, it's why he became a state senator. He just mm-hmm. has the uh, the beautiful voice. That beautiful baritone she. Um yeah, and uh, he ends up going to his grandma's house and he hears crickets for the first time. A detail where I'm like, "Come on." <laughs> you think you think that's the first time he heard crickets. Is that possible? I was dumb enough to believe it. I don't know. No, I think that's true. You think so? Yeah. I've, I've, crickets, well, where would you encounter a cricket? Crickets are everywhere. They just end up everywhere. I don't know. I feel like I I grew up in, in 
Los Angeles, and I heard crickets, but crickets, I guess Los Angeles is not like a really urban city the way No, Baltimore it's an is. anti-urban city. It's yeah, like, it's, uh, a, it's a giant suburb. Yeah. We got crickets. Exactly. So, of course, we have crickets. Yeah. I don't know if the concrete jungle <laughs> of the Baltimore projects would necessarily have that same vibe. But he certainly he has watched TV. He knows of the, the well, like, you know. Did he ever? Did, oh yes, a, he's been he's been exposed to all that cricket content that you see. When there's you're on, cricket content. On it's well, usually Jiminy Cricket. He could have Googled it. Like, okay, oh, what does that all, sound like? Jiminy Cricket, famous cartoon cricket. Second mm-hmm. of all, anytime uh, you hear uh, like you know SpongeBob joke bombs, and then you hear crickets. You know what I mean? Once again, I have no idea. I'm go. I'm being. I'm. I'm. I'm once again allowing myself to suspend disbelief yeah. that these geriatric white guys know what it's like for these young hoppers, <laughs> because I have to. The alternative yeah. is I can't invest in myself in the process. I. Yeah. I agree completely. I. I will also suspend disbelief, but I will say, come on, you heard of crickets, and uh, yeah. So that's that's the episode. Um, that's everything we covered it all um so if we uh if we had to give a letter grade to this episode and uh, and we do because it's the law mm-hmm. um i think i would give this one a, a b plus vince what would you give this episode yeah you know you gotta weigh a lot of pluses and minuses you know pluses mm-hmm. uh, very exciting minuses i don't buy the custody hearing um, but I think it all adds up to the most solid of solid B pluses for me. Okay. All right. That's fair. Uh, Matt Chrisman, if you had to give this episode a letter grade, what would you give it? Uh, I uh, believe that every single, uh, episode of television ever produced, mm-hmm. uh, is a B plus. And since this is an episode of television, mm-hmm. it's a B plus. Mm-hmm. That is, Transitive that is property, absolutely true. Time. I think that is correct. It is a solid B plus episode of the wire and a solid A-plus episode of Pod Yourself, The Wire. Matt Chrisman, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking The Wire with us. Oh, thank you for having me. Hell yeah. So uh, where can people find you, and do you have any plugs? Uh, well, we've got the Trapo Trap House podcast. You can check that out on Patreon or uh, your SoundClouds, what have you. But mm-hmm. we're also going on tour this month. We're going to be in L.A. Uh, this weekend, then New York and Fort Lauderdale tickets Available at chapotraphouse.com slash live. Chapotraphouse.com slash live to get tickets for their upcoming tour. Well, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you very much for having me. We love having you. And congrats on getting married, dude. Oh, thank you very much. I just got married, too. So beautiful. Oh, mazel tov. Yeah, it's great. You know, now I can have sex. Hell yeah. Through the sheet? Go for it. Yeah, I got that hole in the sheet, and God loves it. It keeps, um, keeps you from getting any, any of the goo on you. Yeah, that's the thing about sex. Too much goo. Mm-hmm. Goo! Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Congrats, and thank you for coming on. Thank you. Patreon.com slash broadcast for all of the bonus episodes where Vince and I talk about other shit, like movies and other TV shows. The $8 tier gets you a shout-out. Vince, we have a new shout-out this week. Uh-oh, just one? Oh, man. Just one. I mean, we, we are recording all these episodes back-to-back-to-back to back to back before sure. my baby comes. I have mm-hmm. a baby coming, Matt. I'm about to be a dad, dude. Awesome. Thank you. 
I'm glad you're excited about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just I just turned off my uh, oh, oh, yeah, no, that's recording, and I realized, oh, crap, you're not recording this. No, no, it's all good. We're still recording it anyway. Um, okay. Well, yes, that's awesome. Oh, my God. I was just like, shit, I don't know. I don't know. Now I'm going to be just a, a blank in the, in the tape. <laughs> that actually would be funnier. Um, okay, so I'm a dad, and here is our new name this week, Stephen Hegedus. Hegedus? H-E-G-E-D-U-S. Hegedus. Yeah, uh, gangster name. Give yeah, it to him. We call him... Uh, Where's the where's Huga come from? Is that Iceland or Denmark? Can't remember. Oh, like I know. We call this guy the the Dane. The Dane. All yeah. right. The Dane. Stephen, thank you so much. That is your gangster name, the Dane, and you can get your own gangster name. Patreon.com/slash/broadcast for the eight dollars tier, and we will pod you a shout out. Broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. All right, everyone. Thanks again so much for listening. And until next time, if you come at the king, you best not miss. Yeah. All right. What Obama likes, it either means that he has good taste or it means that he watched the show and decided to not do Hey, it's me, Matt Lieb. So, uh, yeah, I broke my promise about playing a little bit of the Balmer B story for the uh, guest and for Vince. Um, But, uh, you know, we go at the guest schedule sometimes and not necessarily at our own, especially not uh, the schedule of the song. Uh, Speaking of the song, I wrote these lyrics um, and, uh, you know, was ready to record. Um, and then my baby came (laughs) and so, uh, I didn't totally finish the song, but, uh, you know, here's what I got. Um, this is a song from 2002, um, by a, 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 a genius artist near and dear to all of our hearts. I think, I think you'll enjoy it. I wanted to be like you. I wanted to be in the game So I tried to be like you And I had to sign my strip club away I didn't know that I was just a front man You needed someone who had a clean name But Avon's proved Jewish, and now he's forced to do a five-bust, what a shame, fucked up in the game now, bitch, if you want to, I can take you, I'll wear a wire so the police can hear, got Kima inside, McNulty out with Stringer Bell but soon he will be gone If you want to Omar will 
bitch. Sucking on dicks, eating on clits. Fucky sucks. <laughs> oh, there's a baby downstairs. Oh no. If you want to, I'll eat your doo-doo. I can lum 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 inside of your ear. Don't care what's inside, just want you coming. And all I want is to eat on your butt. Yeah, bitch, I'm Michelle Branch. I dated the drummer from the Black Keys, and then he cheated on me. And the police got called, and then I got arrested. Then I think I went on Twitter and was like, um, no, he's over. If you want to, you can get a divorce from that guy from the Black Keys, and then you can be single. Matty was in love with you. Oh, I missed my chance. Anyways, I had a crush on, on her. I wanted to fuck nah. <sighs> Good enough. What do you what do you need? You don't need nothing. I got a baby. She's cute. I'm tired though, guys. Fuck. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.